This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, suddenly eighth inning meltdowns are a bit of a 2022 thing. After allowing three in the eighth on Sunday, the bullpen outdid itself Monday, allowing five in the eighth. So the Mets are two eighth innings away from being 5-0. and But because the bottom of the eighth actually is a thing, the Mets are 3-2 and as opposed to being undefeated. Outscored 8 nothing in those dastardly B-8s. Hate it when you've got things in hand and the Jenga blocks spill all over the dining room table. But that's where we begin on this edition of Mets in the Morning. Mets in the morning, Mets in the morning, oh yeah, Mets in the morning, gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now, here's Josh Lewin, Mets in the morning, what a perfect name. As the story goes, a young novelist once said to the esteemed English writer J.M. Barry. I don't know what title to give my book. And J.M. Barry said, Are there any trumpets in it? And the young writer said, No. Are there any drums in it? And the young writer said, No. So J.M. Barry said, Oh, you should call it without drums or trumpets. I've always loved that story for some reason. Josh Lewin with you. Not a perfect end in Philly Monday night. We'll bang the drum very slowly here and get to the 5-4 loss in chilly northeast Pennsylvania. Very soon. But, uh, you know, in the last night's game, the Mets' starting rotation had an ERA of 1.59. And that's with no DeGrom and the worst of the four starters so far being three-time Cy Young Award winner Mr. Scherzer. As Finker says, what? What? Yeah, that's really a thing. And now here comes Taiwan Walker, the one Mets all-star from a year ago, but the guy that had the perilous second half last year and some knee surgery over the winter. Buck Showalter didn't want to say publicly how long Walker would be able to go after he threw just one and a third in the uh, preceding 10 days. But turns out the answer was two innings, two scoreless innings. But then he developed a sore shoulder and had to leave. Had nothing to do with the knee. The Mets led 4-0 at that point, thanks to Phillies third baseman Alec Bohm having all the throwing accuracy of a blind, inebriated Alec Baldwin with an inner ear infection. But after that 4 nothing lead, backed by some great long relief by David Peterson and some sparkling defense, it all fell apart like the last 20 minutes of the moving wedding crashers. So as we dive in, the Mets had come in leading all of Major League Baseball in on-base percentage, 396. And they started quickly Monday night thanks to Alec Bohm's allergy to throwing the ball correctly across the diamond. Three for seven is great if you're hitting. That's a 429 batting average. But three for seven, throwing the ball from third base to first base is suboptimal. You should do better than a 429 on accurate throws across the diamond. Bohm alone was responsible for a quick 3-0 Mets advantage. The Mets somehow hit the ball to him seven times in the first couple innings, and that was a great strategy. 
One run added from there. It came after a James McCann stolen base of all things. He always gets exactly one a year, so he's hit his quota for 22 already. He then came around when Francisco Lindor singled home a run. Lindor, off that strong spring training, has hit safely in four or five games to start the year. Going to have a big season. I really think that. No Met shortstop has ever had more than 22 home runs or 81 runs batted in. It was his dribble Cabrera with the 22 home runs, Jose Reyes with the 81 ribeyes. I think Lindor might get that this year. Mark Canna had another hit. He's got a 571 batting average to start his Mets career, but uh, the Mets... On their 60-year anniversary of their first-ever game, they lose 5-4. to four. It was 11-4 60 years ago at St. Louis. Phillies Hall of Famer Richie Ashburn led off. He flied out to Kurt Flood in center. Gus Bell, the first-ever Mets hit. That was in the second inning. The great Gil Hodges, the first Mets home run in the fourth inning of that game off Larry Jackson. Sorry, I went down a little trail there. But uh, Ranger Suarez pitched decently for the Phillies last night. This is a guy who threw 106 innings last year to a 1.36 ERA. Last Philly to pitch that many innings and have an ERA that low was in 15. Not 2015, 1915. Old Grover Cleveland Alexander. Now, look this up. His teammates were named Erskine Mayer, Ben Tincup, Beals Becker, Dodie Paskert, and Possum Witted. Why is it not 1915 right now? I mean, do you not want to party with Dodie Paskert? And Possum Witted, I do. They also had a, a guy, I swear to God, they had an outfielder named Bud Weiser. These all sound like Bart Simpson crank calls to Moe's Tavern. Is there an IP Freely on the 1915 Phillies? A Seymour Butts? A Drew P. Wiener? Is there a Yuri Nader I can speak with, possibly? So, anyway, uh, Ranger Suarez, very good for Philly. The runs he allowed were unearned. Walker and Peterson, really good for the Mets. Walker was featuring his splitter, and it looked terrific as he struck out Schwarber and Harper in a clean and quick first inning. And remember, in that four-game series the Mets just had in Washington, the Nationals had only 20 hits total in the four games. That is a new Mets record for fewest hits allowed first four games in a season. 1981 had been the old record of 22. That had been Pat Zachary starting twice, Randy Jones once, and Pete Falcone once. If you don't know Pete Falcone, Lafayette High School in Brooklyn, like Fred Wilpon, Sandy Koufax, and friend of the show, Benny DiStefano, former Pittsburgh Pirate and Houston Astro, and Mets minor league coach. So, anyway, Walker did just fine for two innings. Peterson, four shutout innings of his own. Trevor May has shut down seventh, but there he was out there for the eighth as well. And that was a problem. Trying for a second inning of work, something he never did at all in 2021. Buck Showalter said, I trust you, big guy. And big guy got hurt. Arm fatigue, they're calling it for now. He goes out, Seth Lugo, and then former Philly Joely Rodriguez come in. And it all gets blown sky high. The pitch to Gregorius. Swing and a liner to right center field. That's a base hit, and the Phillies take the lead. Huskins around third scores easily. Gregorius digging for second. Nemo's throw is not in time. It's a double and a run batted in for Didi Gregorius. The Phillies have scored five times here in the bottom of the eighth inning and have taken a 5-4 to four lead over the Mets. Howie Rose on WCBS. The Phillies victorious because of Gregorius. And Bohm was in the middle of that rally. He's yet to make an out this year. Three for three with a couple of walks. He can't throw straight. 
But still, uh, former Met Brad Hand pitching a scoreless top of the ninth. The Mets literally donate one to the Philadelphians. Final line score, Phillies five runs, eight hits, and the three Bohm errors. Mets four runs, seven hits, no errors. Phillies got a big home run from JT Real Muto in that five-run eighth. And yeah, Gregorius with that game-winning double. After the game, here was Buck Showalter about the two injured pitchers. They're both going to get uh, MRI, I think, uh, see what we're dealing with. You know, there's a lot of unknown right now, but uh, I'm hoping that we, you know, there's nothing serious there. But, you know, here it described, it doesn't, you know, I, I don't want to start playing doctor. You know, I'm talking to them, you know, they have a lot of, you know, drill and emotion right now after the game. So we'll, we'll get some pictures and let the people that do it for a living tell us. But, you know, I heard some good things from them afterwards. But you don't really know until you get in, in there and let them look at it. But uh, it's unfortunate. But uh, what a job Pete did. That was impressive. That, uh, you know, he was equipped to go about 60 pitches. But uh, watching him work tonight and consider how hard that is with some of the inactivities had, that was uh, one of the reasons why we were you know, in a good spot there until it got away from us at the end. We got an update on... Walker, just what the injury was. Where was the injury for um, for did you, May? Did you get on that it was the right shoulder. Yeah. What about for May? I understand. Uh, just they're talking about arm fatigue. Well, that could mean a hundred things. You know, it's just you know the back of his, his uh, arm. I'm not going to get into specifics. I don't really know it, mm-hmm. but I think uh, I'm going to wait and let the doctors do their thing. What did you see out of Lugo tonight? Ah, uh, he's been such a you know a really good pitcher for us for a long time. You know he's he gets one. You know it's just wasn't his night. He uh, just you know he couldn't put a he, he made a good pitch. Um, you know some balls characteristically were hit hard off of him, but he's a good one. I'm glad we got him and and uh, he's going to pitch real well for us this year. But what, what Walker? Um was there any issue with the knee where maybe he was overcompensating somehow? I don't know. You, you know, who knows? I'm not going to say no or yes, but I don't think so. He had, he had two good innings. Yeah. I mean, that was, that, was, that was exciting for us in there. And next thing you know, Jeremy says, you know, his shoulders bothered him. He's out. So we're fortunate to have Pete there, you know, equipped to go along. But, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I try not to let what happened at the end overshadow what a great job Pete did. That's you know, That was so long. You know, if we had won that game, it would have been on Pete's shoulders. Well, there's the skipper. A second straight bottom of the eighth bullpen failure to make the Mets 3-2 and two now. They really should be 5-0, and oh, Dagnabbit. Some box score nuggets. Brandon Nimmo was the one met with two hits. Pete Alonzo, some strong scoops at first, but 0 for 4 at the plate. Last year, the Polar Bear only won a home run against the Phillies, and now none in his last 18 games he's played against him. That is really weird. Pete Alonzo's slugging percentage now is 5-4-2-2. Mike Piazza's all-time at slugging percentage, 5-4-2-1. So Alonzo's got him by .0001. Cespedes is third, Strawberry is fourth, Delgado is fifth. On that list. Hold that lead, Polar Bear. It's a cool little stat. Uh, you know, I remember watching Paul Conurco of the Chicago White Sox because I'm that old. And I-, I talked to Pete Alonso about that in-, in spring training very briefly. He said that he was in college 
reminded by some people of Paul Konerko. People thought he swung like that. So that was, I guess, kind of gratifying to, to think that I was not the first one to come up with that. If you remember how Paul Konerko went at it for the White Sox, he was a good player, 35, even 39 kind of home run a year guy. If that's who Pete Alonso is for the next several years, I'm totally fine with that. Starling Marte had another hit and scored a run in this game. In 26 career games in Philadelphia, he's got a 390 batting average. He loves that ballpark. You got Dominic Smith barely getting into this game right at the end. He pinch hit. He struck out against the lefty, Mr. Hand. Aloha. But we know last year, Dom batted 312 against lefties. Only Anthony Rizzo was better than that lefty on lefty, but in this particular game, came up empty. And yeah, that ninth inning strikeout was after the injuries to both Walker and May. May had this to say about his arm situation. You know, at the beginning of this year, usually I'm, uh, you know, work through some tricep, bicep soreness, and, and uh, it's a normal thing for me. Um, you know, I've been treating it pretty heavily for the last week or so, just just kind of pushing through and uh, usually throwing and getting in shape is is kind of the, it's my version of dead arm a little bit. Um, and I was feeling feeling pretty good recently. Um, was able to throw a long toss today and everything. Um, you know, and then I uh, went out there, felt fine in the first inning. And, and, you know, when you sit and it's cold outside and, and a little bit, that's usually when you you got to find a way to fire it back up. Um, it's been a little bit since I've done it. So, uh, you know, went out there and, and just didn't really have, didn't really loosen up. Um, and that was kind of the first test of it anyways. So now I know. Uh, but it, it was nothing, there was no, like, pitch or sharp pain or, like, something you know, went, uh, that, that wasn't, it, it's, it's all stuff I felt before. Um, but you know, you want to be, you want to feel nothing and you want to compete to the, high, the best ability. A lot of people were like, my wife texts me, she's like, you look really mad. But in reality, I was really mad because I, I like to compete. Uh, when you feel like you can't, you have a, a pitch, like sometimes throwing the slider is a little harder when it's, when it's tight. So if you like, you only have a fastball and you let a guy get away, that was 90% of the frustration. Um, and, 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 you know, Esky kind of saw me get a little angry there and uh, um, didn't want to chance it. Yeah, hopefully Trevor May is okay. Hopefully Walker's okay. And hopefully you'll allow us to pause for just a moment. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey, a quick minor league report. Binghamton had the night off last night, but Francisco Alvarez, his first three games at Binghamton, five for nine, two doubles, two homers. He is the youngest player in the entire AA Eastern League. Hope that news takes a little sting out of what happened in Philly last night. As for tonight, to rinse and spit the sour taste out of our mouths, Tyler McGill take two. Now, Buck Showalter is never going to speak in hyperbole. If you've been around him long enough, you kind of know that. But you, you also know to read between the lines. And when Buck starts talking 
about how well a player must have been raised by his parents. That is a sure sign that Buck is a big fan. He always talked that way about Derek Jeter way back in 1995, for example. Tyler McGill was not supposed to be the opening day stud, of course. I mean, plan A last Thursday was supposed to be a continuation of the tradition of leading with an all-star, if not a Hall of Famer. It was supposed to have been DeGrom throwing the first pitch for a fourth consecutive season. Plan B would have been Max Scherzer. So I'm not sure where in the alphabet Tyler McGill started the spring in terms of plans, but somewhere around G for Gorilla. McGill Gorilla is probably right. He did grace the mound on opening day with less major league experience than any Met ever and the second fewest for any team in baseball since 2003, except for uh, Dustin May of the Dodgers a couple years ago. But uh, what's experience when you carry a fastball that touches 99? You've got this pitch-mixing dexterity of a veteran. Nothing rattles this guy, and they'll need him to be a stopper now as he gets out there on the mound and uh, tries to get things right for the Mets this evening. I'm reminded, weirdly, of how Mel Gibson got his first major role in cinema. He, he was the lead in, of all things, Mad Max, you might remember, when he first broke in. Uh, not the Max Scherzer story, but the, the movie, Mad Max. Mel Gibson got the lead because, here's the story from Hollywood, uh, he had been beaten up the night before the screen test. And he really wasn't even expected to be seen. He only went to accompany a friend who was also going to audition. But they loved his roughed-up appearance from this drunken brawl the night before. It's what the director was looking for. So he was told to come back in two weeks when his injuries had healed. And he looked very different at that point. Wasn't even recognized at first. But they already had kind of fallen in love with him in that look. And boom, you got yourself a career. So maybe Tyler McGill just completely accidentally is headed for greatness now, too. We shall see. You never know how these things get going sometimes. Finally today, on the subject of greatness, let us not forget that Friday is the home opener, and that is the Tom Seaver statue unveiling. Tom's widow, Nancy, will be there along with his daughters, Anne and Sarah. The statue itself was done by a guy named William Behrens, and he's made the Jackie Robinson statue. If you've been to the ballpark in San Francisco, he did the ones for Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, Juan Marichal. Orlando Cepeda. So in terms of sculptors, this guy is no Alec Bohm. Uh, the, the grand unveiling is at 10.30 a.m. Friday near the Home Run Apple. Invite only for that. But opening day itself, a shade after 1 o'clock after the Mets will hopefully have rallied to take 2 out of 3 in Philly. And towards that end, yeah, McGill tonight against old friend Zach Wheeler, who almost won a Cy Young Award last year. Wednesday's matinee is going to be Scherzer against Nola. Wow, two perennial Cy Young Award candidates there. And hopefully the Mets will have those games in hand before the eighth inning. Because those innings have been complete crap the last couple games. The go-to stat as we go to the band. The Mets in all innings besides the crazy eighth are outscoring their opponents 24-5. to But the eighth innings are 8 nothing the other way for the bad guys. All right, thank you to the Mets in the Morning House Band on keyboards as we ask you not to panic. Yeah, Joe Panic. Slapping to bass, that's Steve Beezer. The horn section, Aaron Harang. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, he wore a number in the 60s. Do you remember Akil Morris? That's our drummer. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll have another one of these tomorrow. Take care, and let's go Mets.
Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.